Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and the roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture, as I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Zidwick to look ahead to dynamite tonight. And they, these stack cards just keep coming, don't they, Sidge? I mean, yes, this isn't quite on that level. Two, cha- two championship matches and some big developments ahead of double or nothing. I mean, I guess, yeah, but it's not on the scale of the previous two weeks. Mm. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, considering the whole point is when you're building towards pay per view, you just want at least when bloody AEW are doing it. The idea is you get four weeks out. How's this on? How's this on dynamite? How's this on dynamite? Then three weeks. Like, what's actually going to happen at the pay per view if this is on dynamite? This week doesn't have that same energy. It still looks like a really good card, but I'm expecting like a proper good seven rather than a failure if it's not a nine. If you know what I mean, um, I expect it to be right. Okay, it's like any kind of psychology in pro wrestling or fiction. You have to take the crowd down a little bit at some point and do some obligatory things to inform the power of what comes next. You have to like lie about a bit and sell. Otherwise, the fans will get burnt out. And this feels a little bit like the lying down and selling bit of wrestling. But it's still something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it the, the feels like um, there's a lack here on the... Of- the, the only sort of, it's, it's not really a criticism because it's weekly television we're doing with it. They've set the standard really high. This lacks like a major, massive headline attraction match. And again, like I'm thinking of the fact that we've had something like Blood and Guts as a television spectacle um, to compare it against. But like the more you sort of, I found when I was looking through this card, the more I went down it, the more I came to appreciate it. There's a couple of match combinations in particular that I'm really, really excited about. Um, and again, I just think of like complete celebrations of how well AEW books and how like carefully the craft acts to like peak just in time before these pay-per-views. Um, and the, it's so, there's so much potential of this on paper. 
that I think this actually stands to outperform one of the shows that, like some of the shows that have been better built. Um, Blood and Guts had its, you know, detractors or it had its flaws or it was divisive, should we say. Um, and then a little bit of that seemed to be reflected in AW's overall viewership last week. Mm. Um, much in the same way that it declined a little bit after the exploding barbed wire deathmatch. These build-ups, like AEW kind of got to over and over again, earn that audience trust with these build-ups if the end payoff isn't quite as satisfying as they were expecting. So this is kind of a flip of that. Like I very much expect some of this to over-deliver to such a degree that faith might actually be restored as a result. There's certain matches on this card that I think are going to be so awesome that well, there'll be probably more blanket positivity coming out of this Dynamite than Blood and Guts. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen with the rating this week, Sid? 936,000 last week, 0.31 in the 18 to 49 demo. Uh, how do you see it tracking this week? I don't really know. Um, they're kind of not knackered for a while, but next week's Friday. Oh, uh, yeah. I think subsequent to Double or Nothing, a few shows have been like at the mercy of the NBA. So there's going to be some scheduling. It's going to make the podcast week a little bit less. <laughs> Can we do the. If they're going to be on Fridays, we don't work Saturdays. Wilborn, you're the podfather. If you could please arrange for us to do a dynamite review on Monday and not do the raw preview, or in addition to, that would be ideal. But I think uh, there's well, legit. It's, it's a bank holiday, so we're not going to be back till the Tuesday. We'll just do it then instead of reviewing raw. Um, <laughs> there are, I think there are, I think, about three in June that are getting shifted from the regular time slot. Um, We'll see how that pans out. In terms of a rating tonight, this doesn't really grab me as a big rating show. There's not, there's the title matches are somewhat predictable, and there's only one actual AEW title being defended. Moxley always does well, but this feels more like a match that they are just destined to win rather than a big Moxley title match main event. Um, it doesn't really feel like a show that's going to get a number, but inexplicably, sometimes they do. So, yeah, can maintain a top five cable rating, decent demo number, and in terms of overall, because it's the sexier, easier number, a 900 would be impressive for this one, I think. It's one of those things, again, where you know people will look at last week's rating and say, oh, that was really disappointing for the matches and the, 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 the titles that were on the line, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as Hamlet alluded to, that may be a bit of backlash not to use the WWE term, but a you know, reaction to what happened at Blood and Guts. And it's the age-old thing, isn't it, sometimes, of you're only as good as your last show in terms of the rating. This week may well be driven by the excitement and the buzz around, you know, Miro becoming champion and the end of SCU and all that sort of thing. So I think I think it'll hold steady at a bare minimum tonight. And uh, it's, again, like you say, one of those things where it's like people hopefully will be intrigued to see what happens with the pinnacle in the inner circle. If even if what happened with them last week was was rather divisive, Moxley's in action. Uh, you've got the new champion Miro talking, and as I mentioned, you've got what two title matches as well. Let's talk about those title matches, actually, Sige. Uh, you said it seems relatively straightforward. We all are assuming that the Young Bucks will retain the tag titles tonight to go on and face Moxley and Kingston for them at Double or Nothing. And, uh, well, the books, as they have done for the last few weeks, have been having a lot of fun on social media, haven't they? With with not just with SCU, but with Varsity Blondes. And uh, I don't know. I think these, this would be described in football terms as a potential banana skin tonight. Potentially, in theory, yes. I absolutely can't see it happening at all. Um, they know how to preserve the value of these titles. I don't think a shock switch will do anything. Um, what I love about 
AEW is that they go the extra mile in terms of building a pay-per-view title match that they always throw in an intricate story and a grudge element. Um, you get the best of everything when this company hits on all cylinders. And that's what I'm really excited about as it pertains to uh, Moxley and Kingston versus the Young Bucks. You've got a wonderful reason for them to hate the Young Bucks just in general because the dynamic is so sharply contrasted between these just two complete money-driven arseholes versus the two most fabulous salt of the earth. There's a contrast in the styles and the mentalities. There's the grudge element of the fact that they screwed John Moxley out of that match and away from Omega, I guess. Um, and the singles title picture, it's all wonderful. I don't want to ruin that just because the rest of it's so wonderful that it's a very WWE thing, this, where oh, it doesn't need the title, this. It's like, well, everything needs a title. The titles are what everything's all about. Um, that kind of thinking leads to, like, you have to cultivate like a crop, the lineage and the prestige of titles. And I think any sort of like idea to not do that is just bad. You want your title matches to feel like grudge matches, to feel like people hate each other matches, to feel like big momentous for all of those reasons, matches. So for that reason, I can't see them dropping the titles. I like the Varsity Blondes mm. a lot. They are a great 90s energy act. I think what a lot of people like about them as well is that you can see, and AEW's masterful at this, you can see two guys who will not look like this in five years, and it's great to be on the ground floor. Mm. As much as I like the Varsity Blondes, as much as I enjoyed watching Dax Harwood beat the shit out of Brian Pillman Jr., <laughs> who now has realistically given us his life story, so you feel a bit more bad about that now, but they can use that in this match. Mm. I don't know what kind of Pillman characteristic Matt Jackson can take the piss out of, but he can very... He can control Griff Garrison on the canvas, and he can do the wild eyes in the direction of Pillman Jr. Mm. He can trash talk him by doing the voice that Brian Pillman had, that inimitable voice, that, um, what did he have? Lymph nodes in his youth. Yeah, polyps, was it? Polyps, yeah. Yeah, so constant great. removals, yeah. Pillman's an iconic character with loads of shorthand references, and he can use any of that as heat directed towards Pillman Jr. in form of comeback. So I like the Varsity Blondes. I don't think they've yet had a proper notebook match where it's like, oh, this is how great they can be, beyond, oh, these function very well as a mid-card act. If they're going to get the match, it's going to be against the Young Bucks. So I can't see this failing on any level at all. All I was thinking, I wasn't even thinking about the, the Pillman stuff, actually, for this. I generally thought that they may, because they didn't really, you know, obviously there, there wasn't even, people talked about at the time, they didn't really give the whole, that's the end of SCU time to breathe, really. And also you didn't have the Young Bucks, I know they have on social media, but really reveling in it. So that's what I was thinking tonight. It's either... Christopher Daniels jacket, Christopher Daniels sunglasses, or then the most extreme I went to with this is them winning with the BME. But I, I don't know. It'd be intriguing to see what they do with that. Yeah, they should do something like that. Or if they want to go on the Pillman stuff, Nick Jackson can whip out his Johnson and have a piss in the middle of the ring. <laughs> I am. Um... Call Pillman Jr. a smart mark or a dumb mark because that's his perception among certain people, I think. I am. Um, I think they're going to beat them. And then I think the Good Brothers are going to run those two goddamn yahoos from Impact Wrestling, and they're going to try and Pillmanize Young Brian. 
Oh. I think that's what I think that's what they're gonna try and do. Like scream about his dad to his face as they wrap the chair around his ankle. Um, possibly that like triggers the save from Moxley and Kingston. Um, allows for an eight man Moxley and Kingston in the in the uh, blondes versus the young bucks and the good brothers. Uh, you know, like just sort of builds that like minor alignment between the two babyface teams. Um, because Moxley and Kingston respected. Brian Pillman Jr.'s dad, whatever. Like, I, th- I think there's there's room to do that sort of stuff because it felt like last week, in the shadow of the awesome Pillman Dark Side episode and the Young Bucks mocking of Brian Pillman, emotionally giving himself over to it, it felt like it'd be wasteful for them to not revisit this week. Brian Pillman Jr. has, like, start several years back, was working his dad's different gimmicks as his whole character. He turned up in one indie as the loose cannon, then he do another one as Flying Brian. He's not afraid to go to that well for pops, for heat, for anything, for his career ultimately. Um, so I'd be astonished if they didn't go down that route tonight. Um, the trickiest, obviously, just obscure it from looking like cheap heat. And the Young Bucks, I think, should be pretty good at that. Matt Jackson, especially. It's going to be cheap heat, but the thing is, you can do the cheapest, nastiest of heat, and then the second Pillman Junior hits the crossbody for that comeback. Yeah. That's the match, isn't it? So we all agree that Young Bucks retain. What about the other the title match, uh, Hamlet? Serena D defending the NWA Women's World title against Red Velvet. How do you see that one going? I don't know, uh, truthfully. It's sort of... Uh, the NWA Women's title being permitted to exist in AEW made... And, and just like in that way, that it's just sort of accepted and we're just sort of taking it as red that this belt is part of Dynamite every now and then. Made a lot more sense when the NWA had no presence at all in at the height of the pandemic. Like it just it virtually didn't exist. Since they've since made attempts to get going again, and Serena Deeb has a job as a champion for the NWA, or indeed if Rel Del was to win it tonight, like the stakes feel a little bit higher. The stakes feel like they've got like there seems to be obviously it's a working relationship. So Red Velvet winning the title tonight would mean theoretically that Red Velvet will have to defend it from time to time. Uh, for the NWA. I don't know how easy that is. I don't know if that's something that they've got organised between them, Um, but it would do a lot for her. AW did a great job of building her up to make her feel like she belonged in the Shaq match. I Mm. thought Red Velvet came across fantastically well, but ultimately she was built to lose twice to Jade Cargill, wasn't she? That was the purpose that Red Velvet had to first serve, was to lose once in the tag match and lose again in the singles match. Um, So I think like... I'll, I'll. I'm not saying it'd be a shock for Red Velvet to win. Um, I'd be quite surprised if she did, but I could certainly see it benefiting AEW if she won that belt because it kind of sustains the push that they had to sacrifice to Jay Cargill's benefit. I was just about to say with that, Sage, actually, did you see Jay Cargill perhaps getting involved in, in here? Because I was just thinking there, you can't, you, Jay Cargill's, you know, not losing any matches anytime soon. Um, and she you can't really go after the AEW world title because you're going to have. A, the biggest heel uh, in in AEW in the women's division as champion well, in two weeks' time, probably. I don't know. Maybe that could be a direction they're going in with Serena Deeb versus uh, Jade Cargill going down for the title at a later date. What do you reckon? I would certainly welcome a post-match beatdown because mm. ultimately you want, do you want Jade Cargill losing to anyone at this point? It's tricky because she has to wrestle matches to become better because as impressive as she was in the Shaq match, and I think is an actual wrestling match. 
Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet, the singles they had, was tremendous as well. The tricky element with the way AEW books is that because wins and losses matter, if Jade Cargill wins enough of them as she should look at her, she will hmm. arrive at a point where she has to lose and probably lose more quickly than she should be. Yet, if you try and do this thing where, okay, I've announced myself as a big... T- and I appreciate the storyline detail, but now that she is caught in the services of a manager and thinking, you know, I do need to make the, make the next step, it might feel a little bit wishy-washy. I don't know. I don't know about Cargill. All I know about this match is that Eddie Kingston reckons it's going to be great. And this is one of those in-the-can matches. So I would keep an eye on this one, if you're listening, if Eddie Kingston's word means anything. And guess what it does? It's Eddie Kingston. Hmm. Um, I think this will be very, very good because Serena Deeb invariably wrestles very, very good matches. And there's something about Red Velvet's sort of effervescent quality, raw quality, explosive quality as a performer that will look all the more so when she finally sort of slips out with a grip of um, Serena Deeb's submission game. Like, I think it's a dynamic that can really... I don't want to stay seal the show. That's what Eddie Kingston said. And God, he's the best person because he's on the show and he's saying that somebody else has stolen it from him. What a man he is. But I expect this to be way better than people might expect. I'm literally going off Eddie Kingston's tweet, but there is something to that dynamic where I think if I was going to put Red Velvet in there with Serena Deeb, with anyone, it would be Serena Deeb, but then that goes for a lot of people. Serena Deeb retaining for usage? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I just don't... I think Red Velvet for me, right? She's like Jungle Boy in 2019. Lose, 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 lose. You're still so endearing and raw, and AEW are so good at just acknowledging, right? Not everyone's a perfect championship caliber person who has to be a star and no one is. They're very good at uh, delicately balancing their roster and telling you, right, he's green, he's young, that's why he's not winning yet. It's Mm -hmm. not patronizing and... In doing so, you get this tier. For me, Jungle Boy's probably on the edge now. I don't want to see him lose that mm. much more than he is. Red Velvet's not there. Red Velvet is 2019 Jungle Boy for me. So yeah, lose, 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 lose. Uh, not sure if I mentioned this on a podcast. I've certainly spoken about it between you two, but often we can look, uh, we can look and see where people have, have listened to our podcasts from in the world. And a lot of podcast listens coming from Florida for our Sunday podcast, Sige. What needs to happen at Double or Nothing? And tonight, let's just double check. Oh, the rest of the Double or Nothing card's going to be revealed. Oh, coincidence, that, isn't it? Yeah, you're welcome, lads. Um, now, as, as, as of right now, we have five matches on that card. Um, the Page versus Cage match, the Casino Battle Royal, Cody versus Anthony Agogo, Sheeta versus Baker for the women's world title, Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy and Pack for the world, uh, the AW World Championship. We are assuming, obviously, we're going to get Young Bucks versus Moxie and Kingston for the world titles. Uh, and, of course, Stadium Stampede 2, which we'll get into in due course. Anything else you think is going to be going to be added or revealed tonight, Sige? Miro Archer. All but said that's happening. And what an interesting match that is. What an interesting match that is. The problem with booking monsters, who are monsters in aura, wide as they are tall in the case of Miro, or just incredibly tall in the case of Lance Archer. Who wins that? That'll be interesting. In a proper Hoss fight as well. Like, what a different flavor that is to the double or nothing card. So that's going to get added. Um, Right. The three title matches... Stadium Stampede, Cage Page, Casino Battle Royale, Archer Miro, 
Cody, Cody, go, go. Cody, go, go. I, I, literally one more. So I'll I'll one Darby. More. Sorry, go on. Darby, Darby and Sting versus Page yeah. and uh, Scorpio Sky. They'll probably yes. have as a cinematic thing again, will they? Oh, don't do a cinematic. Don't, please don't. You've got a full crowd there. And that full crowd. Yeah, match, yeah true. Being too, um, like, please don't do a cinematic match. Like, please. What you should do is do a normal match, beat down Sting in the entrance tunnel beforehand. Yeah. Do the gimmick where it doesn't look like it's going to come out. Darby Allen would be amazing in a handicap match. Mm. And then Sting can get the pop. Don't do two cinematic, cinematic matches. You risk pissing that crowd off. I'm thinking Stadium Stampede while we're on the subject. So, yeah, I expect that to be a nine match card with the ones that are teased to be confirmed because everything is and the ones that are all but confirmed to be confirmed. Um, I'm thinking Chris Jericho. Doing a cinematic match in front of fans is weird. Chris Jericho, not like, knowing what we know about him and his creative control and his goddamn it, his ego, which he's allowed to have, in my opinion. Him doing an empty arena cinematic match, that's making its way back to the ring, surely. Yeah. But that's by the by. So yeah, Archer Miro, um, Page, Scorpio Sky, Darby Allen, Sting. Uh, we mentioned the the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, found out seven more names to be added alongside Christian Cage and uh, Matt Seidel. You've got Powerhouse Hobbs, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Matt Hardy, Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy confirmed so far. So still 12 or 11 more names to be confirmed. And then we've got the Joker uh, which is going to cause no doubt more and more speculation as we get closer to next Sunday. But let's quickly have a word, uh, Hamfler, on Christian versus Evan Bourne. Sorry, Christian Cage versus Matt Seidel. Come up with some original matches, AW. I'm joking. Don't. <laughs> Just let me have my fun. Uh, this could be really good fun, couldn't it, uh, Hamfler? Yes. Um, you joke, but it is that. Um, but that can be a benefit, you know? It is... Christian versus Evan Bourne. Christian versus Evan Bourne was pretty great. Uh, 10 years more experience than Evan Bourne and really keen to impress Christian Cage could be even better. Mm. You know, like... Well, has, it super... has it never, ever happened? I feel like... Are you sure it's never happened? You know, like the kind of the WWE, ECW content churn might have just manifested <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. imagination. First time ever. Oh, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Then. Like the... But either way, like we're, we're ten years oh, on. Sorry, 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 sorry. Where are my manners? Can um, I guess? Can I guess? Can I guess like a random superstars episode or something? You can guess. That's that's that would be it'd be typical of them to just be like, yeah, just put put these two really good workers on a yeah superstars. Uh, no, according to YouTube, um, Christian versus Evan Bourne had a hell in a cell match that went seven minutes and ten seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. I absolutely love that. Um, aye. Like, I'm not exhilarated by it in terms of being able to, like, pick all the big spots and all the great moments and all this. Since you're watching a WK, like, 2K12 animation no, I of it. Christian, and they were involved in the same Money in the Bank. <laughs> but that was it, as far that as I it. Yeah, like, that That kind of, like, bringing together them is, is quite nice. It feels like a match we've seen before, which is less than ideal. But they're just both like so. This is not that far removed from Christian Cage versus Kaz, and most people really like that. Most people really appreciate the story Christian Cage told in that. Um, he should he should find Matt Sidal slightly easier work because Sidal's not quite as big. Um, Sidal's been working in tags. I would expect something similar to the Kaz match, maybe with a slightly more spectacular looking two count 
So I'd rather do something um, like Kaz did to give you one tease and then Cage to like fairly competently and confidently put him away. I, it's good, right? It, and it is good. And I feel like after the Kaz match, we were really full of praise about what Christian Cage can offer. And I really, really like Christian Cage's team, Taz. I really do. So I expect there to be like an enjoyable angle spinning off of this. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's a way to possibly generate a little bit more electricity with these Christian matches. But I'm a huge fan of the team, Taz stuff. There's so much good stuff to mine there. Um, but these singles matches, much like the Kaz ones, I feel like I'll just be full of so much more praise the next day than the day beforehand. Shooting star into the kill switch, Sage. Um, <laughs> no pressure, oh, lads. Be hard. <laughs> no pre- you always put the pressure on the lads. You do. <laughs> always, always try- Can you just defy physics for me, please? <laughs> Honestly, you're insane. You're absolutely mental. Um, this is weird, right? Because it feels like saying, "Oh, I really can't wait for this," is maybe a symptom of AW bias. Because I'm not being funny. If this was on any other promotion in the planet, I'd think, "All right, I thought this never happened. It should be all right." And yet, mm. because it's AEW. I'm thinking this might be quietly really, really good, you know? Um, it's a weird one because, yeah, I'm same as Hamlet. I expected at this point, like, uh, and I know he's not on the show for this reason, but I did expect a bit of a, oh, Jesus Christ, can Christian Cage do a state of the art banger? Or at least can Christian Cage wrestle a match that belongs in 2021? Because this kind of doesn't. Um, <laughs> and it's not just a match that you can't believe didn't happen on Superstars in 2012. Um, it's also a match that it doesn't really babyface someone who kind of needs to be babyfaced quite quickly. I know mm. he's an enduring legend. Some of that was tempered by the way in which he was introduced to AEW. But do you put, not as beloved, but enduring and, and endearing high flyer and babyface, Evan Bourne, against Christian Cage? Or do you pick a heel, a proper full-blown heel to wear Christian? Um, I don't know who that heel is at this point in time. But my brain just said Penta, and I thought, why do I want to kill Christian Cage? I mean, Christian Cage, he's recovered from several concussions versus the guy who drops people on the heads. Yeah. I don't know about you, Millbourne, but I love it. And that's great. And I think because Kenny Omega's a genius, when that Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage match does happen, he's going to V trigger him all day long. And it's going to be like, oh, God, God, he might break his brain again. <laughs> um, yeah, I expect a three and a half star match that will be really well worked, but without the obligatory nice thing you have to say about Randy Norton um, energy to it. In fact, it will actually be somewhat entertaining, but I still don't think it's the right opponent, even though it will result in a good match. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Moving on, uh, another match I'm looking forward to, but also weirdly more looking forward to happening to what happens prior to the start of the match is John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the acclaimed. I'm really scared. I'm really scared, Sige, about what's going to be said on this microphone. Yeah, um, John Moxley's a cool guy. John Moxley has allowed MGF to call him balding, has allowed him to say that his wife is sexy. He will not care. He will let Max Caster say what he wants and Max Caster can say whatever he wants. I expect... Hope he doesn't go too homophobic with the old uh, 69 and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kenny Omega got away with it because it was just such a funny mental image. But Caster, as much as he's great, does have form with like the cook stuff mm-hmm. of being a little bit too four chan in his pattern for my personal tastes. But he's much better now when he's more like irreverent. He's got a different irreverent sense of humor unique to himself now. Where at first I just thought it was all a bit lame. I hope he doesn't go back to the lame thing because the final image of revolution lends itself to that kind of gag. I hope we don't get that. Um, but yeah, the rap should be really good if it's if he nails the tone of it. The last people you want to do this in front of are Kingston Moxley, but because it's Kingston Moxley, the other very people you do want to see him do a rap in front of that is going to piss them off because they're going to be great blitzing through them when they're pissed off. Like, this is going to be the match I'm most looking forward to without being the best worked by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a fun, heated like perversely entertaining match as much as anything else. Like I'm proper up for it. Yeah, I am. Um, I think this is a bit of a dream match, quite honestly. Like I, I don't think I'm overstating it to say that. It doesn't, dream matches don't have to come from like the people involved being both being legends or both being of a similar stature. It can be about the chemistry between the opponents. It can be about what you think about what you're going to watch. It's the polar opposite of Christian Cage versus Matt Sidal. In that all I want to do is think about how this match is going to take place and the different ways they could go with it versus what I feel like I already know about Cage and Sidal and exactly how it's going to play out despite its skills. I am not remotely bothered about technically how this match rates. Um, because for one thing, like the more emotion that is applied to it, the better it'll be anyway. The more you, you're so invested in stuff that it's not going to be about like, I don't want to go like like Jim Ross or like, you know, that, that grab a hold thing. What he's trying to get at sometimes when all the guys gather around out the side and try and catch another guy is that there's just so little emotion in the first place that they feel like they have to turn to a spot. These four men are not going to have to turn to a spot because they're going to drum up a ton of emotion because there's already loads behind Moxley and Kingston. People love to hate the acclaimed and they're going to talk themselves into bother. I can even see um, the acclaimed, so like I pitched, a little bit of this on Twitter, but the idea of them like having a go at Moxley, like Max Cass is going to have a go at Moxley at the start of the rap. And like Moxley's the coolest guy in the world. And he's going to smirk a little bit and be like, 
this little tosser doesn't know that he's about to get his head ripped off. He's always going to like laugh it off a little bit, like bless him, hair ruffling type feeling. And then at the end of the rap, Cass is going to say something about Ruthie. And Kingston's not going to have that sort of like diplomacy about him. And he's going to make a charge for him. Mark's going to be like, well, we're doing this then. And then that's going to be the trigger point that makes them rip their heads off. You know, like if it was just Mark saying like, ah, let these kids have the moment. We were all young once anyway, weren't we? What did you say about my mother? Like that's like that, that sort of switch is going to flick. And then there's no way back to the acclaim. I, I love it as a parent. Um, AEW deserves so much credit and never get enough for the ability to, I'm critical as much as anybody else about sometimes when these dynamites feel too full. Um, Cause I don't think there's, as we saw it last week. There's sometimes just not space for things to breathe. Mm. Um, but what they do do really well is establish a lot of characters. Um, you might not always get the matches. You might not always feel like the, the rankings rises are justified, but you get to know the gimmicks and the characters very, very quickly. And it allows for a match like this, that is basically a rankings battle to help Moxley and Kingston get to become the more contenders makes it all the better. Um, we're not just seeing to sort of flip this around a little bit. If this was Moxley and Kingston versus the Varsity Blondes, you wouldn't have half the fun with the fantasy booking because the Varsity Blondes haven't been yet quite as built up as characters. The acclaimed are an established act. This pairing makes so much sense as a fun TV banger, and it's one of the things that AW are brilliant at. You are right. I'm going to be so tense when he's doing that opening rap because I think there's going to be some stuff, like you say, that they'll be like, oh, he can take the piss out of this, take this out of that. I think the red lines are Ruthie and John Moxley's unborn child. And it's yeah. like, don't go there. Don't. I mean, I know where you're going to, and I'm going to like tense up watching this in the early hours of Thursday morning. But, oh, God, I dread to think what's going to happen, uh, especially, ironically, especially having watched what happened with the, in the Dark Side of the Ring with Nick Gage, where he's like, Oh, I won't. I won't cut. I won't cut David Arquette. And then it goes a bit awry, and then yeah, we all know what happens there. And by the way, speaking of which, if you haven't watched it, watch the Dark Side of the Ring about Nick Gage purely for Moxley's line about Nick Gage getting into trouble and how his gimmick might have actually helped him in that because that genuinely made me laugh out loud watching that sadistically, of course. Um, Hamlet, not a good week to be Austin Gunn this week. He's going <laughs> to get his ribs broken. Yeah, um, it feels like it's been a massive week for the Cody um, Rhodes, Anthony Gogo program. Um, Cody's promo seemed to just set off a, a, like a series of conversations, like loads of them valid, which I think was quite pleasing. There didn't seem to be a lot of like bad faith debate, whichever side of the Cody like kind of promo you were on, which is good. Um, and then uh, Anthony Gogo, as boxers would, came out fucking swinging all goddamn week on Twitter Every single tweet better than the last. Uh, the promo from Dark oh. Elevation, I believe it was. Yeah. Like, exceptional, out of this world, like, Xboxer can sell fight, you know? like How can uh, he make a sniff intimidating? Amazing stuff. Um, actually got away from something that I didn't like about his presentation, which was them leaning a little bit too hard into the uh, Peaky Blinders aesthetic. Like, you, if you stay so hard into Peaky Blinders, you're going to end up crashing into Mustache Mountain. So the trick is to like sort of feel real instead. And that's what Anthony Gogo now feels. So real, in fact, that a very obvious uh, cross-Atlantic divide is occurring over the space of a week, which means that all of a sudden Cody's promo is very effective if he's prepared to be a heel everywhere but America. Like I've seen Anthony Gogo compared to Bret Hart this week in terms of the fact that he's going to be a babyface. If Cody keeps doing what he's doing and Anthony Gogo keeps doing what he's doing, 
Ogogo is going to be the baby face everywhere in the world, but America. That's the, <laughs> that's the comparison I'm seeing made. So they may actually, for all, like, I love to see it and I love to watch it and I can't wait for Austin Gunn's ribs to get caved in. Like, they need to be careful because that, if that wasn't all on the agenda, all of that, all of that seven days, like, they may run into a few problems. They may need to just think clearly now about where they want the alignments to be for double or nothing because I cannot wait for all of this. Um, but... Do they want Cody to be the babyface? Because I'm not sure he's going to be received as such. You're saying all this, Hamlet, as if they haven't yeah. already booked the singers to do the national anthems. <laughs> yeah. They're going to do it. They're right. going to do it. For better or worse, they've struck a nerve. And in my opinion, it's for the worse. They are, they're going full, mm. full anthems and stuff like that. It just It's what it's going to be. Um, I don't know why you would book a tape show without a crowd, and have Austin Gunn not in said crowd. <laughs> What's the other one called? Cold. Cold, yeah. Break his ribs. Maybe he'll just <laughs> pop for the own punch. Oh, God, wow, that was brilliant. Like, just showing <laughs> the top of his voice that he's in, he's like in agony. Killed, like getting trucked by Brody Lee. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, beyond that, like, what, one minute? Maybe, I can't remember which gun it was, but maybe an attempt at the uh, the Tez press where he can just leapfrog into his face, like a little scramble. The kind of thing that a baby face does to like cheat because he realizes he's got no fucking chance whatsoever. I always love it when a baby face does that because it just gets the heel more over as this guy who just, you can't beat him. Mm-hmm. He's going to punch you in the ribs. Um, so something like that would be nice. Otherwise... And I know people listen, but an Anthony Gogo promo should be on Dynamite because he lit up Twitter in a way that I've not really seen in quite some time. I think everyone is unanimous in the whole idea of the last 30 seconds of that promo were absolutely incredible. I love ribs cracked, jaw jacked, T-shirt. Put that on PWTs. Mm. People, according to my Twitter feed at least, will buy it, absolutely. Um, he's just piss boy. He's dangerous. He's dangerous. He's funny and dangerous and hard. Um, he's a brilliant heel already. Haven't cut a promo like that after jacking Austin Gunn's jaw. Yeah, Simple. absolutely. I completely agree. Put a microphone in his hand. Uh, and his Twitter game is so good. Like you say, he was effing and jeffing at the end of last week, and just put that put that word that I definitely cannot say on this podcast all the way over uh, yet again. Especially, <laughs> especially as you alluded to, Sid, at the time to British people because it just it hits different when a Brit says it. It's because, as Google pointed out, it's like a term of endearment. Yeah, you say silly or dope, you're fat, but when you put stupid in front of that word. <laughs> oh, don't call us that. Yeah. Please. And the tweet about his, I think it was his sister's wedding and just being like people unfollowing him because it was his sister's wedding. I just thought like, oh, I mean, I, I, I like you anyway, because in terms of, I've already picked my side in the in the UK versus USA fight, but even more so, I'm, I'm very much on the right side of history, I think here. And he's done another one, I think today or last night regarding him not being a hero and who the real heroes are. I just think he's Anthony fantastic. Anthony isn't just in danger of becoming the baby face in this program. Anthony Gogo, given that he's a heel, is in danger of becoming the British John Moxley. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we've also got a world title eliminator match tonight. Hikaru Shida versus Rebel, all sort of a, a road to uh, Shida versus Britt Baker, right, Sige? I mean, I I understand that Reba, not Rebel. I love that. Parenthesis. Mm. Like, comedy in parenthesis is always good. Um, I wouldn't do this. Like, she serves a purpose, and they might have to really reconsider what that purpose is when Britt Baker becomes not just this amazing comedy character in a wheelchair on dynamite, but you know, the, the ace, the champ. Um, I mean, Christ, I'm not brave enough to fantasy book that split because the chemistry's great. And I think Reba's actually legitimately really funny, but not in this context. The thing about Sheeta versus Baker at Double or Nothing is that they did a good job of building women's matches before. I like the Eliminator. You know, this is the first, I mean, but beyond that, not really. Nyla Rose was like, oh, she's number one. Oh, Christ, we'll have to get her for full gear. They've not really done an awesome job of building a proper big time. This is the first match announced for Double or Nothing, and it felt worthy of being the first. This is the first big fight feel they've ever engineered for a women's title match on an AEW pay-per-view. Um, by that, I mean one of the key attractions. But I don't want to undermine it with Reba's comedy selling even if it's just a simple one-minute squash followed by a beatdown. You know, I just wouldn't put Rebel in the ring. Unless it's some sort of setup and Rebel's like, oh, I can't compete, but I've got a replacement and it's some monster or something. What, like a Jeff Cobb-esque development. Remember mm. that? Didn't even, I wasn't even high on Jeff Cobb then, but I just loved the audacity of the booking so much. Something like that would be great because I don't want to see Reba in a quasi-comedy match when you've finally built this division to such an extent that you can benefit from having an actual big fight feel. It does nothing for me there, so I'm prepared to be surprised. I agree. Is it? Is it maybe about just like the post-match heat? Yeah. Like, like, AW love those post-match beatdowns. Some work better than others, some more effective than others, but this feud now needs it more than most and it? it's kind of the only missing ingredient really is the heat i like i just cannot say enough good things about that forbes um for like photograph sheet yeah. thing last week the brawl that broke out there um was everything that this needed like to it's all been about brit baker rising up the rankings now it needs to be about brit versus sheeta this might this might just be what the, like the other feuds have been lacking maybe um but yeah share cedric sort of like lack of enthusiasm for the match itself if anything maybe that's part of it as well for me like there there's a certain transparency to what this is probably there for that i'm not yet i'm not yet entertained but ew are quite good at giving you a surprise on the night so it'll probably be better than you think it's going to be let's talk a little bit about the fallout from from last week uh already advertised for tonight hampler is the new tnt champion miro speaks what do you think he's gonna have to say uh, i hope it's short and simple because I think Miro's best in those very dangerous um, sort of sounding promos that he cut. I'll, I'll remember the one like outside the Blood and Guts cage for a long time now, for yeah. just that feeling of he cannot be stopped. Um, you know, perfect catchphrase that was applied to Darby Allen, but something that, you know, I'm sure he'd be able to adjust or tweak a little bit, you know, be able to come up with something new about himself to reflect onto his next opponent. Um, Miro should be taking the lap of honour here, verbally speaking. He should be, at long last, allowed to be the man that is everything he said he was. He spent months calling himself the best man with absolutely nothing to prove it. Now it's the total opposite. He's reversed that in a matter of about three or four weeks. 
And when you do what you're saying you're going to do, part of that in wrestling is to then talk about that you did it. That kind of completes that circle. Um, so I don't need much more than that. But in like sort of what's becoming sort of dynamite tradition, it'll probably spin off into a quick angle with Archer. And if the if it isn't a match graphic, it'll be as good as a match graphic, um, a good as a match announcement by the end of the night. I'll do the whole thing in reverse to what I expect will actually play out on Dynamite tonight. Um, I wouldn't wait for I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have Miro wait for Tony Schiavone even to do a nice little two minute interrupted promo. I would do the whole we're getting word that something's happening backstage deal, and I want him to put Jake Roberts in the game over. Oh, yeah. I want him to put Jake Roberts in the game over, like not like film it as he's doing it so that when it's not on camera like he doesn't have to actually bump Jake Roberts but go backstage Miro's got Jake Roberts in the game over Lance Archer's somewhere I don't really care where in this scenario and Miro can be don't think I haven't seen you watching thinking you're entitled to this I just want to be like one step ahead I just I want him to get the heat on Jake Roberts because why else is he there? He's not really cutting promos anymore. He was so great at the start of AEW, but he's just not really serving a function these days as, as Jake. He can serve a function here. Mm. Miro can be the one to disrupt what's becoming a bit of a tedious pattern, in my opinion, involving Lance Archer. Just accelerate the story because you really don't have long left. Yeah, that's a hell of a shout, actually. Uh, in terms of the world champion, obviously not the way they wanted things to go last week. It was meant to go to a time limit draw, but uh, Orange Cassidy's injury meant that they had to do the whole interference. No one lost, no one won. It's going to be a triple threat for the world title with Pac and Orange Cassidy at double or nothing. But how, how will Omega and how do you see uh, Omega and Callis selling that this week, Sige? I've got absolutely no idea because it's a three-way. I've got absolutely no idea how they book this at all. Ultimately, what I would like to see on the go-home show, which isn't tonight, is a press conference. Ooh. I like the idea of Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy being involved in a press conference. because It'll boil piss. It's a natural way to present this as a legitimate sporting match without doing some kind of contrived promo train, which is always the risk when you've got like more than two people involved in a program. I don't want to see a promo train interruption. I think the most elegant way of selling this match is by having Kenny Omega do some kind of woman promo tonight and then setting up a press conference involving all three of them and that press conference on the go-home show functioning as this thing that sells a fight, uh, sells a fight in a three-way match, making best use of what is a really interesting dynamic that's always hard to like realize because there's three of them and I don't like three ways. It's Kenny Omega playing belt collector in the, like probably peaking as a character, I guess at this moment, like uh, it's in, I completely agree with Cedric. It doesn't feels ickier compared to like how well they've done at building these big, singles titles matches as pay-per-view main events even sometimes when they're not the biggest matches on the card it elevates the belt because the belt makes it feel like the main event even if it's not the most spectacular thing um it's it's kind of in kenny i trust here i think mm. um it's there's something to this 
like I think Cedric might have said this last week when the triple threat was formalised, there's something to this idea that Kenny Omega is in so many feuds, he's found himself in a three-way on an AEW pay-per-view because he's just pissed off that many people or he's got that <laughs> many iron, that many irons in the fire. It's really hard to wrap, as, as has been shown, it's kind of really hard to like wrap like particularly evocative stories around any of that. Um, but it'll be f- be funny. It'll, it'll, it'll make it funny. I know funny isn't always money, but like I, I think this will be entertaining. I just I'm not yet expecting this to mirror the feelings that we've had for a Moxley MJF or you know, or even like you know, kind of the the Moxley Omega uh, Revolution main event. Finally, uh, obviously, one of the big talking points of last week was uh, the, the fallout of blood and guts with the pinnacle and the inner circle and the bubbly bath. Uh, I was going to say, how will the inner circle respond to the pinnacle? Hamlet, I can, you know, do we can do that both ways. We were talking about this in the, in the build-up to, to this podcast. Of, it's not just the inner circle responding to the pinnacle's challenge; it's the pinnacle responding to the inner circle and what they did to them last week. It's exciting because you have faith in, in all the, the the names involved. In as much as people weren't exactly huge fans of what went down last week, uh, or certain people weren't certainly, uh, I just I just trust a lot of the big names to to to, to really sell you on this and. Well, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they do Stadium Stampede with more of this sort of blood feud. Yeah, trust is the word. Trust is key to this because I think there was a lot of trust in Chris Jericho and MGF specifically in the weeks where this angle wasn't very good before the pinnacle were even formed. Uh, and then there was more trust when the pinnacle, when uh, the inner circle returned hiding in the pinnacle's toilet, there was yet more trust. It was like, oh, that was a bit soon. That was a bit easy and a bit contrived, but there was like lots of trust in them. And then we had blood and guts. And there was like, obviously you kind of didn't need to trust it because it was going to be awesome. And then they kind of like fumbled pretty significant elements of it. Um, so, but there's still trust. So you go through the following week, and then Blood and Guts is there as the setup to Stadium Stampede, which was rooted in comedy last year. So Stadium Stampede, its, it's only reputation is informed by the only version of the match, which is that it was brilliant, like wonderful escapism, but played mostly for laughs. Pro wrestling laughs, great laughs, but still laughs. Uh, so it doesn't at all feel like the correct way to follow on from Blood and Guts. It, it like undermines that stipulation massively. I maintain, like I was like pretty critical about the segment last week because... I'm just sick of seeing the pinnacle get undermined. Like, re- like sick yeah. of it. Um, and again, this comes down to trust. I feel like gradually my trust is being eroded with these specific characters. So don't undermine the pinnacle and just restore some trust. And MJF being the one to pitch this with that cynical glare that he's got makes me want to believe that this stadium stampede is somehow going to hit different and it is going to feel like a fitting sequel to Blood and Guts and not this magnificent parade of comedy spots like elegant comedy spots from last year like stadium stampede has got to hit different lest it continue to undermine blood and guts for me and yeah it feels like my weekly criticism i just want the pinnacle to be held in a slightly higher regard i'm pretty certain it'll hit different it's not just the tone that we don't need a double or nothing for they sold it on you're gonna have fun guys you are desperately depressed houses we've found this wonderful idea and you're gonna have fun watching it that was the cell we don't really need that god damn it touch wood variants etc right now i still maintain it's going to come into the ring at some point with the idea being that chris jericho will not have five thousand people in an arena and not hear them cheering mm-hmm. his name 
Mm-hmm. Constitutionally unable to ac- accept that happening. Um, and it's not just the tone that we don't need. This dynamic absolutely doesn't need comedy. And if you go back, and it's hard to do this because when something like last week happens and it was so bad that you just focus on that bad. But trying to stitch together an argument here, the week after the pinnacle formed and MJF cut that incredible promo talking about the purpose of the group and why he formed them, he said that he made himself sick. Oh, I'm paraphrasing here. But he had to make himself sick putting up with Chris Jericho's ha-ha comedy bullshit. So his character knows it to be bullshit. He's going to say something to the effect of, he's going to set the tone for Stadium Stampede tonight. That's what he's going to do. And I don't know how the inner circle will respond. There seemed to be a look of reluctance on the face of Chris Jericho. Maybe that'll be further tonight, but they said the whole thing's going to be announced, but maybe someone could accept it on behalf of the inner circle and another one looks a little bit like how much faith do we have in this group to actually withstand the stipulation where we might lose it altogether. Who knows, but I expect the tone to be different to last year and for that to be made abundantly clear tonight because people liked it. People might be expecting more uh, comedy. I think it's going to happen. Just really quickly, like, do we think the inner circle are losing? I, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You feel like Chris they said that this feud is starting with blood and guts because they want to start with welcome to the jungle, just as a change. Hmm. You feel like it's going to be a two, it's going to go for longer than this. I think we'll do some kind of third rubber match. I agree, yeah. And it's, if you look at, I am probably going the wrong way here because I'm not investing in the individual stories, but if you look at the big picture, heel champion probably going to retain. Heel tag team champions, I'd be surprised if they didn't retain. Heel women's champion, I think. The inner circle, sending the fans home happy with the first pay-per-view with fans, even though they're not working in front of fans. I just think inner circle wins this one because of the balance mm. of the heels and faces at the minute. Mm. Well, interesting to hear how it plays out tonight on Dynamite. Let us know your thoughts ahead of the show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick follow me at Adam Wilburn follow us all at What Culture WWE as I said make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts our review of NXT is available right now and our review of this show will of course be available tomorrow but for now this has been the AW Dynamite preview my thanks to the Dadly Boys thank you for joining us and we will see you soon even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. So you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.